we said. The Press Box. Well, welcome inside the Press Box. Technically, the Press Box podcast. Mike Grace here for my partners, Chris Stewart and J.D. Byers, and our guest host today, Brad Law, who sat in for us. And we're going to offer you up just a slice of what you can hear each and every weekday on great radio stations around the state of Alabama. Want to find out where? Well, check out our website, pressboxradio.com. Check the affiliates page there to find the station nearest you. On the episodes page, you can hear the show on demand hour by hour, all the way back to the very first hour of the program, or simply press the listen button to hear the Press Box anytime, 24-7. You'll find that all online at pressboxradio.com. Now to today's podcast, where we talk Auburn Tigers on War Eagle Wednesday, and we went to the Plains to J.J. Jackson, the sports director of Tiger Communications and the co-host of Sports Call Auburn, heard weekday afternoons on our WAUD affiliate, WAUD AM 1230. And again, is Sports Call Auburn. And we asked J.J. Jackson just what his callers have been thinking so far this week about the Auburn-Penn State matchup. Yeah, Mike, I'm sitting here thinking about the first two shows we've had this week, and it's like, what hasn't the fan base brought up from play calling on the offensive side of things for Auburn, from coverages, from um, the defensive effort that they saw on Saturday versus Penn State, to officiating, to wide-out crowds. I mean, we have heard absolutely everything uh, in the past two shows after that loss to Penn State. It's been a whole lot of fun, though, that's for sure. Always a little easier as a guy who used to do it, uh, JJ, when when you're in the season and now you got game results. And frankly, from the host standpoint, it's probably a little bit easier after a loss than it is after a win to, uh, oh, yeah. to, to go to those phones and, and you've got the content. What has been the number one, would you say, I mean, if, if you had to fall one side of the, of the fence or the other, um, more like really frustrated or more like, yeah, wish you'd have won the game, but uh, generally positive. Which of those two would you say? I, I think it's more of the really frustrated, Brad, because I felt like you had more uh, speaking for what we've heard on the show and that sort of thing. Yeah. and sort of how I'm feeling looking back on the game. You really felt like you had a chance to go and win that football game against the top 10 team. And um, things just didn't go your way for a variety of different reasons. And I think the fan base has certainly echoed that. Uh, there has been a couple of more optimistic outlooks on, hey, look, this is what you were able to do in non-conference. Let's buckle up, take care of Georgia State this week, and then jump into SEC play and kind of figure it out. But uh, I think it's still just that fresh level of frustration, as I'm sure the coaches and players are going through themselves feeling like, man, we kind of let one get away. We really did have a chance to get a big win for our program in the first year of the Brian Harson era, but you didn't, so you turn the page and you move on to the next one. So Brian Harson uh, and the Auburn Tigers fall in that, but covering Auburn and the game, I was wondering, JJ, if you guys had followed or even brought it up. James Franklin, I just got a feeling he's going to be going into his pocketbook very soon. He was upset with officiating on game night, and then he had a press conference, I believe, yesterday. And he went on the record, and he actually brought out like a pad and some notes and called out the, the wrong calls, clarification on rules as defined, and I mean, it was ad nauseum. Uh, I don't know if you guys had followed what James Franklin thought. He he, in, in his quote, he said last week or last Saturday, I felt like we were fighting more than Auburn. I mean that that's that's kind of out of bounds for a coach. You're, they're explicitly told not to jump on officiating. For sure, JD. I think that's going to be one of the biggest topics we hear about today when we get started for our show uh, at three o'clock. 
here in Auburn. But uh, I, I did see those remarks from James Franklin. I can't wait to hear what people had to say. I think it's one of those uh, you need 24 hours to sort of digest that news. And once folks get a wind of that, yeah, I think we're going to be hearing a lot about that. I'm amazed that James Franklin um, said something like that because you're right. It's just you don't hear anything like that from a coach, particularly after the game. And, oh, yeah, by the way, your team won the game and you still feel the need to point out all of these mistakes that might have taken place from an officiating crew. That was wild that James Franklin did that. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot about that. And Holly Rowe asked him at halftime going into the locker room, Coach. Uh, you, you had some, uh, calls there, some officiating, uh, what, what, and he just, he looked at her and didn't say anything. And Holly went, that's exactly what I thought. That's exactly what I thought. That's enough. That's about all she could do. And for what it's worth, you know, we spoke to Dean Waite, our former SEC official here on Monday. And, and he said he would not be surprised. He would expect that that crew is going to be disciplined, that, that they're there. They may be sat down for a week or more. And uh, that there there will be some ramifications of that as far as that crew that, as he mentioned, there's seven different guys or seven different crew members. Somebody should have caught the the miss down for sure. The other calls you can you can go here or there, but certainly the miss down, inexcusable. JJ, it's it's no doubt the quarterback always gets probably more credit than he deserves and sometimes more blame than he deserves. Uh, Bo Nix on the night uh, at Penn State, 21 of 37. Uh, did not turn the ball over, but just 185 yards. I think that's 8.8 yards per completion, but less than five yards per attempt. What I mean, your assessment of Bo's play on Saturday? I think you have to be pleased considering what you saw over the past two years, particularly in road efforts. You're right, that yardage total is not what you would have expected out of somebody who was really trying to change the narrative around their play in Bo Nix. But I'm thinking back at some of the passes that he did have, Mike, and I really was pleased with the check down decisions that he did make because in years past, you would see Bo Nix force the ball down the field or to somewhere he shouldn't, resulting in turnovers. He did not turn the ball over at all on Saturday. Uh, had a couple of passes that should have probably been intercepted by Penn State, but the, the ball did not go that way. I think the yard totals were down, though, because he did resort to those check down options, which is a positive. Hopefully this Auburn football team, as they again played this week versus Georgia State and then jump into SEC play, can connect on the deeper shots down the field. I think that opens everything up for you if you're able to do that, and you'll see that yardage number go up for Bonex. I think to that point, too, fans want to talk about the performance of of a any given quarterback, and the temptation is to compare to last year when you had established Seth Williams, established Anthony Schwartz, established Eli Stove, and you want to make it linear. Like, Bo should just be better because he's older. Well, it's not just about Bo. He's 111th. It's the offensive line, and it's the receivers. And with that said, J.J., um, your thoughts on the performance of the wide receivers and the need for somebody in that group to become the, the alpha of the receiving core going forward. No, that's definitely something that needs to take place. Uh, you talk about options down the field. I mentioned a couple of checkdowns that he had to running backs, and John Samuel Shanker has certainly had a good season so far for Auburn. Most catches since 2014, and that was an entire season that uh, C.J. Uzama played for the Tigers, and we're only three games into this John Samuel Shanker season, so that's pretty amazing. But uh, Demetrius Robertson, Brad, is someone that we saw have a monster game versus Alabama State and thought that might have translated as they continued throughout the season. A couple of deep shots 
uh, he was not able to either come up with the catch or um, was turned the wrong way on some deep balls to Bo Nix and that sort of thing. So I would have figured he would have been the receiver to step up. I, I thought uh, Kobe Hudson made a couple of nice plays. Everyone wants to bring up the fumble, but in the passing game this past week, I thought Kobe Hudson made a couple of big plays down the field. Whoever it is, though, you are right. There needs to be some wide receiver step up and be like, okay, I'm going to be the guy. I'm Mr. Reliable. Bo Nix can rely on me. And uh, I think that'll help the rest of the wide receivers as a whole, knowing that someone else has already taken that number one spot. He is J.J. Jackson, co-host of Sports Call Auburn. You can hear it weekdays 3 to 6 on WAUD AM 1230 and Tiger 95.9 FM in Auburn. Also online at sportscallauburn.com. J.J., uh, Bo Nix's counterpart, Penn State quarterback Sean Clifford, 28 of 32, 280 yards, couple of touchdowns. The Auburn secondary's taken some flack this week for all of those completions. But look, Auburn struggled to get a pass rush on Sean Clifford all night long, never sacked him, rarely really pressured him. There were times when he bounced around, had all kinds of time. That pass rush is something that has to be addressed, yeah? Without, and, and when you're talking about that pass rush, I really can't recall that many blitz packages that took place in the first. I think of when you blitz and bring more people after the quarterback, it makes a defensive lineman's job a little bit easier because then the offensive linemen are having to focus on their checks and protections, who's picking up the extra blitzer and that sort of thing. But there were too many situations where Auburn only rushed three. Yes, you absolutely need to have a more successful pass rush with three moving forward. But you look back at some of those plays and any receiver is going to get open given the amount of time that Sean Clifford had to make decisions, uh, and there's nothing that the defensive line can do. If the offensive line is holding up, then obviously you're going to have some breakdown in coverage. So, uh, no, that is something that needs to improve for Auburn defensively going out the, the rest of the season. Have you taken one phone call about Georgia State? <laughs> Not a one. Not, Not a one. one. All right. <laughs> do you expect there to be a bit of a hangover? This, is, this game is in between road trips Penn State and LSU, oh, by the way, and we all know about the the streak and, you know, what, what the number one storyline will probably be going into LSU next week. Or do you expect the team to come out and, and Coach Harson with this new sort of outlook and a, and a focus on every single day, focusing in, doing the work you need to do every day? Do you expect there to be any kind of hangover or dragging around because this game falls between Penn State and LSU road games? I love that question. I, I think expectations are something that we're all going to kind of navigate throughout this entire season because, you know, when now here we are, we are talking about the first game for Brian Harson, the first big road game for Auburn football under Brian Harson. Well, this is the first time Auburn plays a football game following a loss. So what is that going to look like? And then on top of that, knowing what comes after this football game. I think you feel better because Georgia State is not really good, guys. Uh, their one win on the year coming against Charlotte. They've already played UNC, a Power 5 opponent, and that game was not competitive whatsoever. I really do think Auburn's going to be able to find success offensively and defensively against a team like Georgia State and be able to carry that confidence into Baton Rouge. I do think that the uh, question of whether or not there's um, kind of a slower start or looking ahead down the schedule is absolutely fair, but I don't think Georgia State is an opponent that they need to worry about too much. Well, wait a minute now. It's homecoming, and Georgia State's head football coach is the former South Carolina Gamecock head coach. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little uh, bit of trivia. When Steve Spurrier left, didn't he, like, slide in, take him through the rest of the season? Just yes. a little piece of trivia I wanted to throw in. Yeah. So he can't say he was a head coach in the SEC. What was it, four games? But 
anyway, Sean, Sean Elliott, I know the guy, really, really cool. Uh, man, he gets the red face with the veins popping out, though, during the game. But if you ever talk to him outside the game. J.J. Jackson, our guest, I wanted to ask this. When you're covering, and let's say it's a long, like Penn State, for example, uh, or you're home on a weekend, college football or Thursday night, whatever, what's it like when you're getting ready to know you've got – you know, two, three, four hours to fill per day, Monday through Friday. Are you watching Auburn, and is it legal pad out, and you're taking notes, and you're, you're you know, making content to, to go over, or are you just consuming it like any of us? I kind of, I've always been curious how you do it. No, sure, that's a fair question. I, I've typically, if I'm at the game, obviously able to uh, keep up with the game a little bit easier and, and take notes and that sort of thing, but when I'm just, uh, for road trips that we don't travel and able to consume it like the rest of us. I'm not somebody that necessarily uh, takes notes during the contest, J.D., but I will tell you that every single drive, every single play, my brain is automatically programmed now to hear particular <laughs> callers that we hear from all the time, what they're going to say, uh, what the reaction's going to be, and always thinking about, okay, how is the show going to unfold because of this result? So, yeah, I wish I could kind of turn it off from time to time, uh, but yeah, the, the show host good Cindy is always operating. JJ, I, uh, I awesome. say I this question for last, and you can answer it either with your own opinion or your caller's opinions, if you prefer. Okay. Um, how about the fourth down call late in the game? The fade to the right corner looked like it never had a chance from the time it left Bo Nix's hands. And, 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 and according to both Bo Nix and head coach Brian Harson, he had, what, up to four options on that play? Right. I think everyone's opinion should be that's the wrong call Yeah. Uh, in that situation, given that you're on the short side of the field, not a whole lot of room to work with. Uh, it's a 5'10 wide receiver and Kobe Hudson that everyone wants to point out to. Auburn had success running that play last year, and I think this is sort of what Brad was bringing up a little bit earlier in our chat with Seth Williams. Seth Williams has a big frame, and, and we saw him make a lot of great catches on a fade situation like that. But fourth and two, either – uh, running the football or letting Bo Nix be mobile and kind of make a pass on the move, I think would have been a little bit more uh, of a successful option for the Tigers to use rather than catch the football and throw right away. I have heard Bo Nix and Coach Harson both say uh, there being multiple options on the play like that, but with how quick he had to make that decision, it didn't seem like there were any options because he immediately threw the football as soon as he got it. So, yeah, I think that was the wrong uh, play call, and I promise you all the callers agree with me. Now, as the old saying goes, hindsight always twenty twenty. but a lot of folks who kind of scratch their heads about that late play call for the Auburn Tigers. Still a valiant effort for them battling at Penn State, and one that, again, the pollsters noticed. They only dropped one spot in the polls from 22 to 23 this week. Our thanks again to J.J. Jackson of Sports Call Auburn and WAUD AM 1230 in Auburn for joining us here inside the Press Box. Hey, if you like what you hear, a couple things you can do for us. You can like us, subscribe to this podcast so you get the very latest versions each time they're out. And then if you would, share us with a friend. Tell them they can find us on Apple and Google Podcast, plus iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever they find their favorite podcast. All they have to do is search for Press Box Radio 1. That's Press Box Radio and the number one for the Press Box Podcast. Hey, tomorrow, Chris Stewart rejoins us. We'll have some fun talking Bama with Barrett Jones, the former offensive lineman. Also, Matt Wyatt will be here to talk Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and more. That's tomorrow inside the Press Box, and we'll join you again here for the Press Box Podcast.